He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward-Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. Shall we pray? Father, we pray for the enlightening of our eyes. We ask that the eye of our understanding may be opened and we may understand your word. Let this word fall on good soil and let it yield much fruit with patience. I pray, O oh God, for your unction and your anointing this morning. Let me speak as of the oracles of God. And let me speak the heart of the Father. I pray that the words that I speak, they shall be spirit and they shall be life. Thank you, Jesus, that your word shall go and not return void. But it shall accomplish that which you have purposed that it should accomplish this morning. Thank you for answered prayer. Use these lips of clay. Touch them by your spirit. And make a difference an eternal difference in the lives of your people in Jesus name amen amen please take your seats thank you choir praise the Lord well we are slowly drawing to the end of our Afro daughter convention and God has been good to us we cannot deny that fact. Amen. And I want to thank, first of all, your general overseer and superintendent in this region and his wife, Reverend Jacob Godwill, and his wife, Lady Pastor Kezia. Thank you so much for having us in this part of the world. Thanks to all the pastors, lady pastors, shepherds, those of you who have worked in the trenches, my, my, the opening ceremony was something else. Yesterday at the dinner, people were saying that they wonder which other country will host Afro-Daughter next year. Because the standards that have been set and that have to be met are not easy. But for whichever country the Lord shall choose, the Lord shall give you grace. Amen. Amen. I want to thank Lady Pastor Gloria. She has worked tirelessly. She has been a staff to me and a rock everywhere. Euro daughter, Afro daughter, working day and night. Ghana daughter. She comes there and she moves the people in Ghana. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> American daughter, Swiss daughter. God bless you. Only God can reward you. 
And all of you, rehearsals, rehearsing through fasting. It's not an easy thing. Dancing through fasting. Disrupting your schedule to pick people up from the airport. Various errands. But thank God that we have a heavenly father who sees. You see, man is very limited in what he sees. But your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Those of you who have given to the orphanage and to that ministry, those of you who have joined the orphanage partners, look, it's God who knows everything. Because the Bible says all things are naked unto him with whom we have to do. So may Jehovah bless you. May his hand rest upon you. And may he perfect everything that concerns you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I started by saying God has been gracious. God always surprises me. You know, I'm always surprised. Because every time before I come up the pulpit, I don't think I have anything to say. You know, but God gives grace. And I also want to extend my thanks to my husband, the bishop. For first of all, encouraging me in this vision. And also encouraging me to fulfill what... I believe God has called me to do Amen. for releasing me this week and taking care of little Paula himself. Oh. See, some of you say you are following Bishop, but you should follow him properly. Because sometimes when I, I leave my little daughter somewhere, maybe in London, or he is the one who brushes her hair, does it, dresses her before he's going to preach about the perfect will of God. He has done all that. Before he's taking the little girl, I'm not there. He has sorted her out. So some of you say you are so spiritual, but have you brushed your daughter's hair before? The brothers. He's always reading to his daughter, buying books, helping with homework. Somebody who has more than a thousand branches. You, your small branch. You say you don't have time. All things are possible. The sisters are very happy with this sermon. <laughs> so if you are imitating, Paul says, I imitate me as I imitate Christ. So don't just imitate his going for crusade, shepherdorial work. Imitate his romanticism. The way he is loving and caring. Imitate that one too. Pastor Jake, receive the romantic anointing. <laughs> case when your husband is kneeling down allow the Holy Ghost don't encourage the Holy Ghost which is what we are always doing God is doing the thing for us and we say we have to help you <laughs> and to all our wonderful guests our sisters and our brothers in Christ those from Ethiopia those from Central Gospel we are all one family in Christ God bless you and increase you on every side. Amen. And on our invitation to Ethiopia, <laughs> we accept it by faith. And we pray that God will open that door. So pray for the one who is in charge of me, apart from God. 
Because if the bishop releases me, then I'm okay. Amen. Amen. Apostle Kinsley, you're welcome. Well, this morning, I intend to be very, very, very brief. I want to speak to you about five giant steps of faith you must take. Or five steps to giant faith, if you like. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Very short, don't worry. Are you there? I always say at women's meetings, women know where to buy nice clothes, lipstick, makeup. You, you won't believe it today in our hotel when we went down for breakfast. The attendants were serving us all that. Can we have some water? They brought whatever. And then when the supervisors were really not looking, three black ladies came to us and said, your hair is so beautiful. How do you achieve that? And then they said, so what have you done to the front? And then I turned them to Lady Pastor Benjamin and I lifted her hair. I said, she has done a few braids. I said, so the back, is it bonding or sewing? How do you achieve that? How did you do that? So where did you do it? In Ghana, in this, in that. In fact, at a point, I just left them to continue their conversation. They actually lifted the hair to look under to see. And then they asked one of them, can you do it? She said, oh, I can do the back, but the front, I'm not sure. I'm not. And as I was going, I said, that, hey, women, they don't know us from anywhere, but they have zeal, they have overcome shyness, and they are finding out how this hair has come about. But when it comes to the word of God, you don't know where the books of the Bible are. When they say Ephesians, you are looking in Old Testament. When they say Ezra, you say, is there a shop in town? You don't know anything about spiritual things. But all our energy is on the outward. What it looks like. How it is. But from today, may we become more spiritual than we are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 11, 24. Are we there? By faith, we are reading on. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The next one. Are you there? Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect Unto the recompense of the reward. 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. Amen. Now, Hebrews 11 deals with many heroes and heroines of faith. And it says that some even died not having inherited the promises. But as I was looking at the life of Moses, the Bible says that by faith, Moses, when he had come to years, the NASB says when he had become a grown-up, refused to be called the son 
of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, if we want to be people of faith, like the fathers and mothers of faith in, the, in times of old, in biblical times, then we need to look at what steps they took so that we can also get there. And the first step that Moses took was to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And you too, if you are to go on with the Lord, there must be things in our lives that we refuse. Hallelujah. But in modern Christianity, we don't refuse anything. We are just like the world. Anything goes. We have the same desires that the world has and we don't refuse anything. When Jesus came on this earth, he had a mandate from God. And the mandate was to save men from their sins. And in order to achieve that, he had to go to the cross to die. But on his way to accomplishing that vision, many things came in. One of the things that came in, the Bible says that the people came and they lifted him up and desired to make him a king. And even when he was being taken into heaven and he met his disciples, the question they asked him was, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you now going to do what we think you really should have done? Are you now going to do what we think is more helpful than the salvation of souls? That's what they were asking. And Jesus had to refuse to be an earthly king. Let me ask you, in your Christian work, is there anything you have refused for the sake of Christ? We accept everything. My flesh likes it, I do it. It's convenient, I do it. Everybody is doing, I do it. But we never have anything that we refuse to do because of Christ or because of the kingdom. But Moses, step one, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was more advantageous to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It would have been easier to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter because you are the king's son, you are a prince. Everything is at your foot. I mean, why would you change that for something else? But it is because you are looking for something eternal. You are looking for something of heavenly value. You are looking for something of greater value. Therefore, you must be able as a Christian to refuse certain things in your life. You must be able to refuse an unbeliever in your life. You must be able to refuse sleeping with people you are not married to. You must be able to refuse money in exchange for certain things that you know are not right. You must be able to refuse. And not only must we be able to refuse, maybe even, if you like, moral things. But there are certain things we must refuse, like food. So that we can buy into the supernatural. But nowadays when we are fasting, we are like some spoiled children. We don't want to deny ourselves anything. And food is the most basic thing. Because after it has entered your body, it goes to other places and becomes waste. Amen. But we are not able to refuse that. Not because we are not strong, but because we are more into our earthly and fleshly desires than we are to Christ. So we don't want to lose anything. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you want to be in the ministry, you have to refuse certain things. Satan will suggest certain things to you. You have to refuse it. Some people have said, oh, 
Your husband will make a great president of Ghana. He will bring change if you are to be a president. And I always tell him, you should never allow yourself to even think about it. And he says, never. And I say, pray for grace. Because I've listened to the radio and said, oh, this man of God should be president. This so people push you into their agenda. But you should be able to refuse and say, no, this is not what God called me to do. No, this is not what I'm about. I refuse this. But we, all that the modern believer knows is, when you say, you won't prosper, I refuse it. You won't this, I refuse it. That one is good, but there's a higher, there's a higher refusal. There are certain temptations that come our way. We have to be able to refuse. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. He refused to change the stones into bread. If it were you doing this fast, you would have changed the stones into bread, wine, butter, croissant, and different variations. He refused to bow down and worship Satan. We think that, oh, it was something that just happened in the wilderness. But it has great implications. Because sometimes we bow down to Satan under pressure. And Jesus was under pressure, but he refused. And so did Moses. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Some of us, we want to please the world so much. When we go somewhere, we don't even want to say we are Christians. We don't want to stand for anything. But Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I, I tell people, when you go and you declare your stand, it rather helps to dispel a lot of things. Do you see? When they say, oh, do this, oh, I can't do it before. Of course, there's a certain wisdom. Sometimes when you go to a place, it's packed with unbelievers, and you go and say, the Bible says that one will go against you. But you must refuse to live as an unbeliever or to live like Pharaoh's daughter or Pharaoh's son. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, you must choose. The first one is to refuse. The second one is you must choose. Hallelujah. Life is made up of choices. Sometimes they are very easy choices. Should I wear the purple shoes? Eh? Or I should wear the blue ones. That one is an easy choice and an irrelevant choice. We don't care whether you wear blue or purple. We, we just wonder at your color combination. But beyond that, we are okay. You choose what schools you want to go to. You choose how far you want to be educated. You choose... If you like, even what country you want to live in. You choose what you want to do with your life. And when it comes to the things of God also, you choose. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. God says, see, I've set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Good and bad. I've said before you, life and death, choose, but choose life. God is not an armed robber. He doesn't force himself into our lives. We are created in his image, so he gives us the power of choice. Do you understand? You choose what you want, 
But on the tree, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose. And when you look at it, you say, oh, but who will choose death? Who will choose a curse? Who will not choose a blessing? But many times we choose death. And many times we choose curses. And we don't choose blessing. But Moses chose. Life is of choices. You chose to give your life to Christ. He didn't force himself into your life. That I'm coming by force. He offered himself. But the choice is yours. And the choice of how far you want to go with him, how committed you want to be, how real you want Christ to be with you, lies with you and I. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Anybody who tells you that sin doesn't bring pleasure is a liar. The Bible says that bread eating in deceit is sweet, but afterwards it becomes gravels in your mouth. But we don't know about the afterwards. Why do you think the HIV pandemic is so rife? It's because of pleasures. We choose pleasures rather than to suffer. So Lady Reverend, I love him so much that I have to express it. You are not married. You say you love him so much. You have to express it. Give him a bar of chocolate. Or espresso coffee to express it. But don't choose death. Choose life. Amen. You see, one day, a lady met a brother in church not long ago. And they became beloved. And they said they were going to get married. And the brother was going outside the country. So he went to say, he went, they were going to join the marriage school. And our marriage school, we ask or we, we insist that you do an HIV test. And you also do a sickling status test. So the brother was going away. So they decided to do that test. The, past, the pastor gave them the forms. So they did the test Thursday morning. And the brother was leaving Thursday night. So when the brother was leaving Thursday night, he went to visit the beloved to say bye-bye. And fortunately and unfortunately, they fell into sin. Now the brother went away to where he was going. Three days after the test results came and the brother was HIV positive. This is not a cock and bull story. I know the two people involved. And the sister was so devastated. And she said to me, since I gave my life to Christ, no man has touched me. I have just followed God. I've been faithful. But just this one night stand, he just came, I'm going, okay, <laughs> hard case, other things before you know, whatever. And then now look. So she told me that when she got the test results, then she called him. That this is the test. The guy said never before. It can never be. So she said, okay, then do the test where you are. So he did, and it was still positive. Then she went to do the test. A few days after, the bishop was telling me, no, it doesn't work like that. You won't know. She has to wait for some months. Before, the sister broke up immediately. And up to today, she tells me that the desire to marry has left her. Choose. It was just a choice. 
But Satan will embellish it, make it so romantic, passionate. Oh, lady pastor, my heart is beating. My, all those things are not real. Your blood is this. For what? To choose death. To choose death. Choose life. Even the world says the choice is your, in your hands. The power belongs to you. And Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I have said before you this day, life and death, blessings and curses, choose life. But whether you will choose that, I don't know. Elijah said to the Israelites, how long will you halt between two opinions? How long will you be half in the world and half here? Choose. I'm a Christian. Choose. Choose who you want to follow. Choose who you want to love. Choose who you want to be devoted to. Choose. Joshua said to them, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you, choose you this day whom you will serve. Some of us, you know, in Ghana, when we were growing up, there was always an inscription on the wall. Christ is the guest of this house. Is the head of this house. The unseen guest at every meal. The silent listener to every conversation. But I think that we got so used to it that the words didn't make an impact anymore. So in your home, Christ may not be the head. Something else, as for the silent listener, he's also a silent participator. He can't even speak. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you, choose you. Choose. Choose the type of child of God you want to be? Is it selective obedience? Is it rebellion to authority? Choose. Which, which, choose which path you want to go on. Some of us are parents. From our perspective, we understand. But when we become children in the kingdom, then we don't understand. Do you understand? I had to choose between being a lawyer and obeying the call that teacher Yama told me at nine years of age that God has called you. And my children told me that, Mommy, when we used to go to school, we said, you are a lawyer. It was more prestigious. Now when we say you are a pastor, they say your parents are thieves. <laughs> my children hear that all the time. Your parents are thieves. And even my little Paula, last week the teacher told her, your father is Bishop Doug. I said, what? Sit down. The child hasn't said anything. Anything. It just comes up. Choose. When you meet people, they say, so why did your husband bother to do a long course like medicine? And then after that, he has now become a priest. He has wasted the government's resources. I said, ah, why is it that there are so many doctors who are politicians? They have not wasted the resources. There are so many doctors who are businessmen. They have not. But when it's spiritual, you say they have wasted resources. Why? You talk like that. But we had to choose. And you can choose the honor of men. Because men honor something else. More than a pastor. You see? Somebody said, I want to die between two lawyers. He said, why? I want to die like Jesus. He said, why? He said, between two lawyers. All right, between two thieves. <laughs> I don't know whether the accountant or the lawyer. Or the... <laughs> Do you see? But you have to choose. And so that when you choose, it means to suffer affliction. When I chose to come full time, it wasn't easy. Amen. 
And the attorney general had been my boss for 10 years. Suddenly, my husband was my boss and my husband. And when I first started, there were times he would give me a lot of work. So when I stay in the office, I'm doing, doing. Then the phone would ring. The first time when I started, the phone rang. It was my husband. I said, Mommy, where are you? It was in the night. I said, I'm in the office. I don't appreciate these things. I don't appreciate. There are things at home to be done. You are in the Do you think that if my boss was not my husband, I would get such calls? I will not. <laughs> you choose it. And then the same person, when I go to meeting the next morning, will be saying, okay, so let's ask uh, Sister Adley, where has she reached with the work that she was given? The same person who is calling me to come home. It's the same person looking for deadlines. It's not easy, but I chose. Amen. You choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. My father was not so happy that I was going to leave being a lawyer. You know, it's prestigious. It's nice when they ask, what does your daughter do? Oh, she's in the legislative drafting department and she works with the attorney general's office in Ghana. And later they say, what does your pastor do? Hey, your daughter, do? she's a pastor. Even in so short. It's nothing to it. But it's a choice you make. Even when you are marrying, you choose. Sometimes you get a godly man, but he doesn't have anything. And you get an unbeliever who, before you sit in the car, he has by remote control sparked the car. You say, <laughs> You are choosing. But you have to choose. Sometimes you choose affliction because the end will be good. You wish that you could choose without the affliction. But it seems that the choice that you have made comes with affliction. And there's nothing you can do. So you just choose it. It's like if you choose to have a baby, you choose it with affliction. It doesn't, uh, what's a, a pridura, whatever, the pridura at a point, it will wear out. The baby would have come. You'll be suffering from the whatever you do. You say you have to have a baby. You have to suffer reproach. Some foolish doctor you don't know, seeing all parts of you that he shouldn't see. I mean, it's not easy. And then some of us, when we are in the pain, misbehavior galore. You just misbehave. In Ghana, they say some women insult their husbands when they are in labor. Foolish Peter. Where are you, Peter? You choose to suffer affliction because of what will come out of it. In the same way, spiritually, when you choose certain things, you haven't expressly chosen affliction, but they come together. And if God is to birth anything in you, it comes with affliction. Labor is labor. That's why it's called labor. It's not called pleasure. It's not called a party. It's not called, it's labor. In the same way, to bring forth anything spiritual, you labor. Choose. Choose. Choose life. Isn't that what the Bible says? Choose life. When it came to Ruth and Naomi, they had to choose. Naomi said to Opa, go back to your father's house and to your gods. Said the same to Ruth. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Where you go, there will I go. Where you die, there will I be buried. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. And sometimes I wonder, young people, when you are marrying, do you know all these things? Where he dies, that's where you'll be buried, oh. 
That's what marriage means. For better till death. As do part. Your God shall be my God. This lady pastor, he's a Muslim. His God. His God is your God. Oh. Your people shall be my people. Like the lady who said that she doesn't like the tribe her husband comes from, so she will not name her children after that. But his people shall be your people. It's part of the marriage pact. His people say, oh, I, I don't like your people. I want to separate them. And then you are not ready to marry. Choose. Choose life. Amen. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Verse 26. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Amen. The third thing you must do is to consider. Consider. Many times we don't sit down to consider. And that means to sit down and think through things. There are many places in the Bible where God tells us, consider. NASB says, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Or esteeming the riches of Christ, greater riches than the treasures. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Consider. There are certain things Jesus told us to consider. For instance, he said, consider the lilies, how they grow. They do not toil. They don't have any bands or anything. And yet, your heavenly father takes care of all of them. So what he meant is, sit down, reflect quietly, and think through it. And that's why in the Psalms, you have seller. It means pause and think. It's the same as consider. So Moses didn't just get up and say, oh, by faith, I'm just going. I'm not Pharaoh's daughter anymore. He thought through it. And then he came to the conclusion that, look, the riches of Christ are greater riches than these things that I see in Egypt. They don't last. And not knowing that the whole Egyptian Pharaoh and his whole family will be drowned in the sea if he had chosen that. If he had chosen that, God probably would have lifted another deliverer. But then as you are going with your grandfather, to follow the Egyptians, you'll be drowned in the Red Sea. You don't see your future. But you say, oh, Egypt is more glittering. It's nicer to be the king's son. It's nicer to be... But a whole generation was going to be wiped out, including you. Esteeming. Consider the lilies. Amen. So you have to sit down and consider. Consider since you came to Christ how your life has been. You may have had hardships. You may have had... But they are progressive hardships. Hardships that lead to building of character and better things. But when you were in the world, that boy was kicking you, uh, uh, doing what uh, the, the suffering, there was no recompense. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Consider how your life would have been without Christ. Consider how some way you would have been in your marriage without Christ. Consider the fact that you would have been divorced by, look, year one, six months, you would have said, what type of nonsense is this? And you would have walked out. And then when you walk out, sometimes you see the realities that you didn't see before. Consider. Consider. You have to sit and consider the church that by the grace of God, God has put you in. It is not a perfect church. In fact, the minute you joined, it became imperfect. We were perfect before you came. 
But if you are looking for a perfect church, you will not find it till Jesus comes. Even Jesus had 12 disciples. They were not perfect. This one says, send a fire from heaven to burn. This one says, let me sit on your left or your right. This one says, Lord, why are they preaching using your name and they are not part of us? This one says, I don't know him. This one says, I go back a fishing. This one says, I want to walk on the sea, but later I don't believe. And then as they are drowning in the storm, they say that, do you care that we are perishing? Also, that, you see, they have bad minds and bad ideas and bad, but that is the church. And God does not save perfect people. God saves imperfect vessels so that he can be at work in us, both to will and to do. Consider where God has taken you through and brought you to this imperfect church. When you get angry and you are freaking out, consider. Amen. Sister Eugenia, consider. Amen. Consider all the way that the Lord has led you and let it make you cool. Sometimes you're in a marriage, you say, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Consider the good outweighs the bad. Consider. The good outweighs, I say, every day he gives me only thousand runs. I'm leaving. But there are so many other things he does. And so many other things that have come into your life because of this union. Consider. Don't just jigger. Don't just freak out. Don't just. Yes. Consider the times your pastor visited you at midnight. Consider the times that you were near death and the Lord saved you. Consider the time that you were some way and the pastor overlooked it. Today, if somebody else is some way, give that person grace. Consider. Amen. Consider when you were in the world and you were some way. And when people come to the church and they are some way, let it remind you of where you have come from. And how good the Lord has been. And let it show you that there's hope for the lost. It's not all hopeless. Consider how you were some way. Consider how you were the mattress in your bank. Everybody could sleep on it. School mattress, bank mattress, corporate mattress, everything. Consider. And yet, in spite of all that, the Lord still reached out to you. Consider. For Moses considered. He esteemed the riches of Christ to be greater than the treasures of darkness. <laughs> That's too loud. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3. <laughs> Hebrews 12 verse 3. Consider. For consider him who has endured such humility, hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. The Bible says, consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners. Contradiction. You heal them and they want to cast you down the brow of a hill to kill you. You preach and they said, this is amazing. We wonder the wonderful words that come out of his mouth. And then later they say, crucify him. You stay all night to minister to them to the next day. They stay with you for three days. You minister to them. They don't have bread. You 
enjoy a miracle. You take a small boy's lunch. You feed 5,000. And you say, I have 5,000 in my church. But when it really comes to the crunch, they just leave you. Contradiction. They are following you, but they are leaving you also. Consider him. That's endured. Sometimes the sheep that you spend the most time with, they are the ones who go first. When something happens, they are the ones who don't remember at all. Some of the people I have labored with more, they have more become some way. Not, the people you have given more privileges to, they rather become some way. And that's what makes sometimes ministry break your heart. Because you are considering that, hey, so I did this, I did that, I did that. That's why your doing should be to the Lord. So that you temper the heartache a bit. You know, so when you hear what people are saying, hey, if I was to release your files, you can't even be in the church. And then you are just talking. Consider him who endured such contradiction. Contradiction. There was somebody who was going to go through a near scandal. The things that we went through with the person. Damage control. Don't say this. It's not that. This. That covering for the person. This. Before we knew the things the person was saying. And if you are not a Christian, you also like to prove that. This person who is talking. Eh? I also know this, this, but in the end, it's the body of Christ that is. So consider. Consider your own humanness and your own frailties. So that when you are judging people, you will consider yourself. You see, that's why Jesus became a man. If he were God, he would not understand. I said, these humans too. Why? Why do they fall? Why are they suffering? Why do they? But God said, no, become a man. So that you will become a faithful and a merciful high priest. The key to becoming merciful is standing where a person has stood. Amen. Amen. So for, consider when the people are so some way, let God calm you down. When I see people who are some way, I see more problems than that they are some way. You understand? I feel that oh, the person is sick. The person is not well, but she doesn't even know that she's not well. I told you, one lady called and said, my husband, he's always doing this. He's always, I said that he will always do it. So take it that he has spiritual diabetes or spiritual asthma. And then you use inhaler once in a while. But don't try to solve it because in natural life, there are incurable diseases. Spiritually too, only God can cure something. You have to just manage and get along. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners. Why? So that you may endure. Because if you don't consider, you will not endure. Amen. We have learned that we have to refuse, we have to choose, and we have to consider. Amen. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the commandment of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. I have a message called, what do you see? Daughter, what do you see? Bible says he endured. Why did he endure? Because he saw him who is invisible. If he is invisible, how come he saw him? In this time, we all need spiritual eyes. And most of us, we are always working with 
carnal eyes. But God wants to bring us to that place where we can have spiritual eyes. You know, in the Bible, we will not have time to read it, but Elijah was attacked by the army of Syria. And his servant was so frightened. My father, the king of Syria and his army have surrounded us and there are so many, a great company. What shall we do? And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. His eyes were open. That's why he saw the army. But there's a certain eye that a Christian needs to have. And that is spiritual eyes to see. So when Elijah prayed, Lord, open his eyes. Suddenly, the servant's eyes were opened and he saw a great company. And they said that they that be with us are more than they that are against us. In my walk with God, I have learned to pray that he will open my eyes. Because when I judge things by what I see, I'll be discouraged. But when he opens your eyes, sometimes, you know, you feel alone. You feel this battle is very great. But when he opens your eyes to see who is with you, you will relax. Oh, I thought it was a major battle, not knowing that my forces outnumber the forces of the enemy. But it takes spiritual eyes to see. And that's why Paul says, I pray for you, that the eye of your understanding may be enlightened. It's a good prayer to pray. He said, you are doing well, you walk in love, you do this. But for this reason, I also, since I heard of your faith and your love for the saints, have not ceased to pray that the eyes of your understanding may be opened. And that is what the body of Christ lacks. We don't have enlightened eyes. Amen. You see, one prophet, Jeroboam, he sent people, he sent his wife, he said, make yourself like another woman and go to a prophet. That prophet was not on good terms with him. So go to a prophet, make yourself like you are not my wife, like you are another woman, and then find out whether our sick son will be alive. And that prophet was blind physically. So when the woman got to the gates and she knocked, then the prophet said, come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. And she was so surprised because she was expecting the man of God to use normal eyes. And the Bible says that by reason of age, his eyes were not working properly. But although his physical eyes were not working, in the realm of the spirit, his enlightenment was at another level. And that is what you and I need to see the invisible because we are surrounded by so much and so many things that are subject to physical eyes. And that's why we get deceived. That's why we follow the wrong things. That's why we are leered. That's why we are enticed. So we need spiritual eyes. And the Bible says that he endured in seeing him who is invisible. He was always seeing God. He was always seeing something divine. He was always seeing something heavier. So sometimes even your problems that you are praying about, you need enlightenment. You need the eye of your understanding to be opened so that you even know what you are dealing with. Because sometimes you are praying, but that's not what you are. What you are dealing with is something else. Amen. Amen. So you need to see the invisible. When Bishop started the church in Ghana, five people What will keep you faithful to a vision? You see the invisible God who called you. And 
I always say that when the Bible says that I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. It is true. When he says, I have not seen, it means that with your physical eyes, you can't even imagine it. So if you had told me when I was in Kolegono, in the school of hygiene, or even the canteen, or in that far park, when we were thrown out so many times, we went and stand in that far park and have a service. If you had told me then that, oh, um, I'm going to give you a prophecy. The Lord is saying, you will have a thousand churches. The Lord is saying, he will send you all over the world with the gospel. He will put you on radio and television. The Lord is saying, he will open the compassionate, even parts of ministry. That is, the orphans, the fatherless, the childless, and all that. God will help you to minister to them in one way or the other. And God will send you all over the world. You will not be able to meet your schedules. I mean, I'm a faith person, but I wonder. As I see you gathered, the room is so full to capacity, bursting at the seams. It's just seeing the invisible. It's just seeing the God who called you. Not even the plans he has. You can't see that. But just seeing God and following on and following through brings you to a place where that verse that I have not seen can be applied to you. It's real. It's real. You cannot see it. You cannot... If you are told we will have a beautiful place like the Kodesh, at the cathedral, we're very happy. We thought that God had found us a resting place. Do you understand? My soul has found a resting place. I am on the rock. We didn't have any mind. We didn't pray that, Lord, take us to a... For us, we had made the place beautiful. You see, the way we poured our heart to invest should show you that we felt we had arrived. Do you understand? It was a real arrival. And when we were moving from the canteen to the brass band and the dance, hey, it was not easy. Bishop draped in the banner of the church that God had now given us a resting place, dance. And he came to build the cathedral with his heart. And he put flags. And he drove the people to British High, uh, British High Commission. So look at the walls. Do you see the Sphinx? That they, we want exactly that. And they did all the Sphinx. and Oh, beautiful church. Only to be mowed down by bulldozers. You have to see the invisible to survive. Otherwise you will not survive. The same God who said make the church. Has allowed people to come and break it. You have to endure the contradiction. Life is contradictory. Christianity. Contradictions. But God knows where he's bringing you to. And what brought us to the Kodesh? Was it not beatings and tears? Was it not troubles that brought us to the Kodesh? We would never have moved. Because, hey, rest in place. So now, even the Kodesh, from what I have been through, I won't be surprised if God moves us higher. I'm not surprised. I don't have that settling type of spirit anymore. And if you work in Lighthouse, especially as a missionary or as a pastor, that settling thing will leave you. Lady Pastor Vita, is that not so? When you were transferred to Ghana, you said to you, it's like Iran or anywhere. It's not like a resting place. because you, and As soon as you arrive, they told you that you can be posted immediately. Or... So you are ready. Yeah. The resting place thing will leave you. Easily. Amen. Amen. But you see the invisible. And that is God. The God factor. That is what will keep you. You need to be seeing something. And that's why Paul prayed that the eye of our understanding shall be enlightened. That's why Elijah prayed, open his eyes. 
Because although we are surrounded by enemies, there's another side of the picture. But he needs to open his eyes so that he may see. I've learned to ask God in the time of temptation, show me the way of escape because I'm blind. I can't see. And unless you enlighten my eyes, I wouldn't see that there's a window here that's open. There's a door that looks closed, but they didn't lock it. There's a place under uh, somewhere. I can't see it. The way of escape, I cannot see. So I've learned to ask him, Lord, why this temptation and all that? I'm not saying take it away, but you say you'll provide a way of escape. Please open my eyes that I may see. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. It's not those who start the journey that God blesses. It's those who endure. And endurance is different from overcoming. Endurance means it's going on. You are in it. And you are still holding on to your faith. You are still holding on to your God. Contrary to everything. And you are suffering in it. But you are enduring. That's endurance. Amen. Amen. He endured. I pray that these five steps will lead us into all that God has for us. We'll come to the place where we can refuse. We'll come to the place where we can choose. We'll come to the place where we can consider. We'll come to the place where we can what? See the invisible. And then we can also endure only when we are seen. And I tell you, God will bring us to a good place when we walk in these steps. God bless you. Stand to your feet, please. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I'll live for you alone Every breath that I take Oh, every moment I'm awake Lord, have your way in me This is my desire This is my desire you sing Lord with all my heart I worship you
consider your creation what is man that thou art mindful of him consider him consider him Understanding will be open. That the eyes of our understanding will be open. That we would know what is the hope of His calling. Oh, and the inheritance of His saints in life. That we may know what the power of God is. That the eyes of our understanding may be open. Oh, Jesus, reveal yourself to us in that problem. In that circumstance, reveal yourself, O oh God. The eyes of our understanding enlighten and give us the grace to endure. In Jesus' name. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You are here this morning, but you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You are not sure whether you go to heaven or hell when you die. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to be sure. I want to be on the winning side. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to start all over again. I want to mean business with God. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. You are here like that this morning. Forget about everybody and let me see your hand go up above your shoulder. Lift up your hand wherever you may be standing. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. I see your hand. There are many more hands. Let them go up. Forget about who is on your left or who is on your right. Jesus is reaching out to you. Let your hand go up above your shoulder so that I can see you. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. God bless you. If you've put up your hand, do one more thing. Just take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Refuse to be moved by human opinion. And come forward to where I'm standing. And give me the privilege of leading you to the throne where I also found grace. Lord, have you about who is on your left or who is on your right come 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 to Jesus all ye that labor and are heavy laden he will give you rest he will give you rest he will give you rest come to Jesus come come to the throne of grace come and receive mercy come to Jesus come Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. We said before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want you to close your eyes and say this prayer with me and mean it from the bottom of your heart. Say, Lord Jesus. This morning, I come to you just as I am. Please take my life and make me your child. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to die on the cross to save me from my sins. And thank you for rising from the dead 
so that I may have eternal life. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life. I don't choose death this morning. I choose life. Thank you for your finished work on the cross. Now, Satan, listen to me. I'm now a child of God. Christ has set me free. And I'm free indeed. I break every link with you. And I put on the new man. And I walk in the newness of life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sit down, every eye closed, every head bowed. You're here this morning and you want to say, Lady Reverend, I need grace to endure. I don't know what it is that you may have to endure. You need the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened so that you will endure something. Wherever you are standing, lift up your hands. The Holy Spirit can reach you wherever you are. I would not know what type of endurance it is. But the Bible talks about the God of all grace. And is able to give grace for everything. Oh, Father, I come to your altar and to your throne of grace. I come on behalf of all these people whose hands are lifted all over this hall. Spirit of God, touch them by your own hand and by your power. And give them the grace to endure. And not only the grace to endure, give them enlightened eyes to see the way of escape, Lord. Even in your impossible situations, I speak the hand of God into your situation. I speak the way of escape into your situation. May you see the way that God has destined. That you come out of this temptation and this trial. And may you endure. Oh, open their eyes that they may see him who is invisible. Help them, oh God, against their very strongest enemies. Give them strength, not their own. And bring them into a good place. Thank you for miracles in their lives. Receive the touch of God. Receive the miracle that your heart is asking for. With God, all things are possible. What is impossible with men is possible with God. Thank you for the ministration of your spirit to all these hands that are lifted up. And thank you, Father, for answered prayer. Thank you for testimonies that shall come out. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.